originally, Lewis was raised in a religious family, but he became an atheist because he felt that Christianity was too tiring. And he felt that he was an atheist because he was being angry with God for not existing and being equally angry for creating an evil world. And this, this led to him transitioning into occult activity, but then he later became a Christian again after like arguing with a roommate of his. So once he transitioned to Christianity, he became a member of the Church of England and became a committed Arthurian. Uh, Angelican? Oh, oh yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Angelican. And, and then he became interested in apologetics. So then he was 40 years old in World War II and during this time, he was like evacuating children, but because he couldn't join the military, so he decided to help out by helping children escape. So then he also spoke on religious broadcasts during the war while there was air raids, and it boosted the morality of like soldiers and citizens because they said they really needed that kind of talk in the middle of the war. He had a lot of health issues. He suffered from nephritis, cancer, and blood poisoning. And then he had gone, undergone a heart attack and went into a coma. And then he died not long after. And he, he wrote a book about apologetics. His first apologetic work was The Problem of Pain, in which he argued that the Christian faith was you know, able to accomplish the existence of pain in the world while also enabling it to be seen in a new way. The purpose of this was to solve the, in the intellectual problem raised by suffering. He also argued that the reasonableness of Christian faith can be shown in argument and reflection. Lewis says that a divine classification within the human experience prompts us to question the existence of God. So basically, we all have this need in our hearts for God, and because we have this need, it's like proof itself that God exists. So. So, William Paley was a Christian apologist, philosopher, essayist, and Anglican priest. He wrote two well-known apologetic works, A View in Evidences of Christianity and Natural Theology. Um, his strongest arguments can be framed in two questions. The first one is, why would the apostles propagate lies to teach virtues, and the second one is where in the entire course of history can we find anyone who endured such hardships as the apostles were willing to suffer for the veracity of their testimony to be all a lie. And um, the book Natural Theology contains the teleological argument and the analogy of a watchmaker, which 
the analogy of the watchmaker states that because the universe is so is designed so incredibly complex then it has to have a divine maker and he believed that the reality of God is evident to an impartial inquiring mind and in terms of good and evil he thought that God intends for sentient creatures to be happy and um, he viewed that the true value and end of life is happiness and he was really centered around people being happy and um, he said God created us for happiness which is not just temporary but everlasting and when we deprive others from happiness we are acting against the will of God. And he had a major impact in drawing together science and theology and his teleological argument has been used to defend God's existence because of the analogy of the watchmaker. Thank you. Okay, so I had Pascal. He was a French ma mathematician, scientist, and philosopher. He grew up with only his father raising him and his sister because his mother died when he was young. His father was very much, hey, education's the only focus, like only once to teach Pascal like all about all little genres of education. He wanted um, Pascal to like stay away from math because he knew if Pascal did go into like learning about all about math, he would like be sucked in and wouldn't care about anything else. Well, uh, Pascal did that and um, he got into math and then his father was like, uh, I was kind of iffy about it. But then Pascal like started discovering these like things when he was like 12-ish or 10. And like all of these have different theories, laws. And then so his father's friend said, hey, you need to let him just keep going down this road and so on. So Pascal had all that education he had, so he stayed with math. And then one other issue Pascal had was he suffered illnesses his entire life. He wasn't really sure what illnesses he had, but he was in constant pain for I mean, basically all of his life. And he only lived to be 39, so to people looking back at him, they think that could be a motivation for him to like keep going with his work. But then his father later died, and, and then after Pascal went into this series of just living a sinful life, he just wanted to indulge in what the world had to offer. But then he was 31 when he had a religious experience, which completely switched his focus to apologetics. So one of his well-known thing, well-known approaches is the wager, and it's basically it's better to wager that God is real and exists than not to because if he is real and you do live your life through Christ and all that then you'll be saved and have eternal life if not and you're wrong if you believe God exists and go through life but you're wrong nothing happens but if you go through life without believing in Christ and he is real then you spend the rest of forever in hell so it's better to wager that than to not and like one of the like uh, complications that's like seen as um, oh this can go for many religions why is it just restricted to like Christianity 
but with Pascal, it's not more of he's trying to convince you. It's leading you on the right path and like faking it till you make it. So you would start like just believing and then you would like go to church, do this, be led by other Christians, and then it would, oh gosh, it would increase the chances of like genuine belief in God. And so he knows he can't force anyone to believe it. So it's just a more, a better approach, I guess. So, yeah. Thomas Aquinas was an Italian Dominican friar, philosopher, Catholic priest, and doctor of the church. He produced a comprehensive synthesis of Christian theology and Aristotelian philosophy that heavily influenced Catholic doctrine for centuries. He wrote most extensively about natural law. He stated, the light of reason is placed by nature, and thus by God, and every man to guide him in his acts. He presented his cosmological argument which basically stated that um, if anything is to is to exist, something must have caused it to exist, and that thing that caused it to exist must have been eternal, because otherwise something would have caused that to, to exist. Um, most of his writing came from his teaching, including the biblical commentaries. Aquinas mostly talks about the importance of faith and reason in, um, in apologetics. Aquinas notes, some truths about God exceed all the all ability of human reason. Such is the truth that God is, is trying. So Aquinas was convinced that faith could provide an understanding about God, but that he also acknowledged that reason can give like a lot of understanding too. And um, Aquinas further explains that the basic reason, that basic reason proves that God is not only the greatest being, but is also the source of all that exists. Um, in apologetics, we need both faith and reason to obtain knowledge about God. Aquinas explains that God's existence is demonstrated to us through reason, but, but faith is still integral. Um, so Aquinas's like argument here could be seen as saying that faith is just what we can't reason, which is kind of true, but that may not be true for everyone. So this is why we gotta um, just like define what the term reason means that he's that he's he's talking about, because if we're talking about um, demonstrative reason, um, reason can't demonstrate that God is triune. It can make use of arguments in, in order to show God's existence is not con uh, contrary to reason. And then persuasive reason um, is a means of giving good reasons to have faith in God, and it defends the faith. So basically, like in summary, um, Aquinas shows how both faith and reason are integral to, um, to knowing God and having an understanding of God. During Anselm's time at Canterbury, he authored two apologetic works of note. The first work was written in reply to a heretic named Rosalyn of Compiègne. Rosalyn had held that if Christ was incarnate and the doctrine of the Trinity was correct, then surely the Father and the Holy Spirit were also incarcerated. Anselm moved about as a wandering scholar in his early 20s and was accepted as a novitate at the Benedict Benedictine Monastery at Beck in northern France. 
He was known for his acute mind and religious devotion. His second work is Curdus Homo, a dialogue between teacher and Selma student Bozo on why it was necessary for God to become a human being to save mankind. Anselm did not believe that God could simply only forgive us with just a say-so. Anselm went into exile twice. The first time was from 1097 to 1100. The second time was from 1103 to 1106. Anselm now explains that ultimately, if a thing is good, it must be made good by the good, a unitary source. But what is it that unifies all the platonic perfect forms in one source? It will be a substance whose justice is its goodness, whose power and truth are its justice and being, etc. There is a particular casual independence that will signal this one's presence, presence in reality. It will be self-existent, not caused by another. Anselm takes Aristotle's four causes and asks about two of them, the material cause and the efficient cause. Is the material cause of this most excellent of substances, the greatest, the best, the most, just out of itself, out of nothing, or out of some, something? As for efficient cause, is the thing through the agency of itself, through nothing, or through some other thing? He concludes that the greatest substance, the best and most excellent beings exist per se, with through itself and out of itself. Okay, we're just gonna share like one little quick thing that we liked about our person. So, who wants to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. Um, so I like how Thomas Aquinas like acknowledges that for a lot of people like faith isn't going to be enough to believe in God that there has to be reason for like believing God and he shows that there is like reason for belief in God and that it's like logical to, to believe in God as well as you need to have, have faith I I like Pasco a lot because of the wager as I'm not like close anything with like God or whatever but it's very much like the whole fake it to make it thing and it's just going along and the more you like try you don't have to like start off super in-depth and devoted but the more you try and are led by other people it can it hopefully most likely bring you closer to god through that and mm -hmm. i like that a lot the wager overall yeah i like how lewis well at first i was a bit skeptical of him because he used the excuse like Christianity is too taxing, so I'm going to convert to atheism. And I can understand that Christianity is tiring, but then I don't know, like, he immediately went into a cult after that. Like, that's something I couldn't get behind. But then, if the paper mentioned how he helped with the war and escorted children out, and he helped boost the morale of citizens and soldiers, and that's what actually led me to like get behind his actions like be able to move past his past decisions and make me more like more appreciative of what he's done and i also agree with his opinion in his problem of pain book like how like how we all have a desire for god in our hearts and that desire is existence for God. Like, mm -hmm. I agree with that real theory as well. <coughs> Stop dying, okay? Anyway, listen. Um, I like Paley because um, he was an apologist not just to save souls, but like rectify the injustices of his day because he was against slavery 
and all of the stuff that was going on that time. And just, yeah.